Welcome to another episode of The Shannon Plan. This is episode 67. As always, I am Kyle Posey. I am joined by my homie, Kosh. Kosh, happy holidays. How you doing, man? Happy holidays, KP. Doing well. I uh, hope everyone listening to this podcast is um, enjoying their holidays, enjoying their time off when they get to listen to The Shannon Plan, and enjoying the fact that the 49ers are back to 500, baby. Yeah, please, as always, rate, subscribe, review, leave us five stars wherever it is that you get your podcast. These are going to be a lot more enjoyable as the 49ers keep winning because we don't have to harp on, you know, the little things. We don't have to worry about the fine details that, you know, it takes. So let's talk about the Jags game real quick. We don't have to touch on it too long because it was a beat down from wire to wire. And what we talked about, you know, beforehand was a good team is going to handle business against a team like the Jaguars, a lowly team that the Jaguars are. They're not good, and the 49ers proved that. So it was pretty much from start to finish, came out, had a 13-minute drive, which was the longest in, I believe, uh, what was it NFL history, or did you see that stat? Longest drive in NFL history. Still kicked a field goal, baby. (laughs) Just get three points out of it. As I say, I'm not going to complain. That is probably like the only complaint you could have possibly had in that game, and – Aside from everything else that made sense to go for it, the 49ers are crushing it in the red zone this year. A 77% touchdown percentage in the red zone, which would have been another reason to go for it. Um, They are by far and away number one. So the next closest team are the Arizona Cardinals at 70%. So when they get down there, they are scoring. And that is what has to happen for a playoff team. So instead of focusing on, you know, Debo Samuel scoring 25-yard touchdown or George Kittle finally having a red zone, another red zone touchdown. Just the team playing well in general. Let's talk about what has to happen from this game that needs to be going forward. And that way the 49ers will make the playoffs and don't have to you know, look back and say, what if, what if we did this? What if we did that? Uh, let's start at the top. So penalties. Penalties have been killing the 49ers all season long. It seems like they've been shooting themselves in the foot. Only one penalty against the Jaguars. And Kyle Shannon talked a little bit about it after the game where the play where Jawan Jennings was just, you know, play, blocking his little brother, Rayshon Jenkins, and he couldn't shake free. Instead of retaliating, Jennings held his cool and the 49ers got a penalty. That was huge because it was third down. They have to kick a field goal in that scenario. Instead, they're able to maintain possession of the ball and go down and score. So Little things like that will go a long way, but penalties is definitely up there for me. Um, not shooting yourself in the foot. What, what's one that you have? Uh, winning the turnover battle. I mean, uh, the play on the opening drive where Jeff Wilson actually fumbles the ball, but I think Jawan Jennings lands on it. How many times have the 49ers this season uh, coughed it up and not ended up with the ball like that? Or on the flip side, them. Josh Norman <laughs> forced the fumble. And the Niners came up with there have been there have been plays where they forced fumbles and not ended up with with turnover. So continuing to win the turnover battle, which they've done now two weeks in a row, and like you've mentioned, they won the penalty battle. Right, they've just limited penalties. Uh, self-inflicted mistakes are things that you can control, and they've limited that. And guess what? They're two and zero. So I think that's one thing. What else you got? So tackling, it's just sticking with defensive side of the ball. Tackling has to be a big big deal. So Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, and then as you go down the line, down the line, the teams that they play, they're gonna have they're gonna face playmakers who will win one on one. I think their tackling against Jacksonville was excellent. They need to keep that up. It was good against the Rams, too, to be fair. So it's trending in the right direction and has to continue to trend that way. 
it does help to be healthy. You know, Jaquaski uh, Tart, he's playing now. Uh, I thought they did a good job of mixing in Talano Hufunga. Um, but Tart's just a better player right now, and I don't think that's really shade, throwing shade towards Hufunga. He's a rookie. He's a day three rookie. So just getting your best players on the field, that is going to go a long way to be, you know, being able to make a tackle. Do you have anything else? I do. They were six for 12 on third down this past week, which is 50%. Um, they were fantastic on third down against the Rams. I think over the last two weeks, they're 55% on third down, which would rank first in the NFL if you just span that across the entire season. I, th- I don't know if that's quite sustainable, but they have to be better on third down. Um, you know, they, they've been really good the last two weeks and they have to just keep that going to sustain drives. Um, cause a lot of people, I think they think they see 40 runs, 44 runs or whatever it's been the last two weeks. And they think the rushing attacks have been really carrying it, but man, they've been fantastic on third down to just keep extending drives. So, um, that has to continue if the 49ers want to keep playing this way. Yeah. 14 of their last 26, they've converted their third downs. <laughs> that is really, really good. So that's a good point actually about their running game, just because, you know, if you would have thought, if you just look at the score and you, you see like the highlights, you see Debo Samuel running around, you'd have thought that their run, rushing attack was really good against the Jaguars. And it, they didn't have as much success as you would have thought. So uh, if you take away Debo Samuel, Jeff Wilson and Trey Sermon, their combined success rate was only 26%. And they both had a negative EPA per play. So they need Elijah Mitchell back. I think that's pretty clear that he's just superior to both of those running backs. And the reason that they keep giving Debo the ball is not just because he's like a change of pace guy. He's just their best running back. And why wouldn't you? So uh, props to the 49ers and Shanahan for taking advantage of their personnel. Um, Aside from that, I just think, you know, when you do get down to the red zone and we talked about how much success they've had, keep giving Kittle the ball, man. Three red zone targets, three receptions, three touchdowns. He just – Boxed out. He didn't even really do anything on his catch this time. Jimmy just threw it threw it to him. He had his guy boxed out, and he caught it for a touchdown. It, it just has to be that simple. I thought they've done a good job this year. They're just throwing it up, giving him a chance, man. And he's taking, taking advantage of those opportunities. Um, getting Ayuk involved early as well is another one. So um, just lean on your playmakers. Very simple. Throw the ball to your best players, and good things happen. That's been the case all season. And uh, that's all I got. Do you have anything else? Yeah, just to continue that point, the last two weeks, the 49ers blue chip players, right? George Kittle, Brandon Knight, Debo Samuel, defensively Nick Bosa, Fred Warner. These guys have really stepped up, and guess what? The 49ers are 2 0. So sometimes it's as simple as when your best players play their best, good things happen. So just keep feeding them the ball offensively. So before we get into the Vikings game, let's just talk about the NFL. They released their top boat getters for the Pro Bowl. Um, it's the Pro Bowl, it's November, not a huge deal. But this does matter to the players and the 49ers and all of the NFL. Like they know and they care about this no matter what they say. So Kyushek, number one fullback, wouldn't be right if that wasn't the case. Uh, Nick Bosa is the number two edge rusher. Debo Samuel, number three. George Kittle, number six. Punter, Mitch Wisnowski, number six. Uh, Fred Warner is the eighth leading linebacker. And... The ta- or not, they don't play tackle. He doesn't play tackle. But Daniel Brunskill and Trent Williams are both number eight in the Pro Bowl getting. So, as you know, when you think of the 49ers offensive line, you think of Trent Williams and Daniel Brunskill. Uh, do you think when it comes down to it, we're going to see anybody else make it, or are these the guys? I don't think so. I think these are the guys that are going to be making it um, this season. And I think these are the guys that are deserving, too, um, that have played consistently well all season long. So. NFC is tough to, for some of these positions. And so I think the guys that you listed there are the ones that are deserving on this team. I don't think there's anyone, there's a 
a miss there. All right, let's talk about the Vikings matchup. So this one is for all the Marlboros. This one, well, not for all the Marlboros since there are many more games left, but this is a big game and it's going to matter as far as playoff seeding goes. It's going to matter as far as what you have to do for the rest of the season, what you have left to accomplish. The winner of this game is going to be sitting pretty when it comes to the playoff seeds. The loser, not out of it yet, and I, I don't want to make it sound like the loser is going to be eliminated because just a couple of weeks ago I predicted both of these teams to make the playoffs. I think that's still going to be the case. No matter what happens in this game, these are I'm not they're not two of the best teams, but two of the better teams in the conference. And that's not going to change no matter what happens. The big thing is on the injury front, the Vikings are going to be without Alvin Tomlinson, who is their nose tackle, defensive tackle, three tech, whatever you want to call him. He is 330 pounds, and he is not going to be playing. And He's not going to be playing against a team that has recently um, run the ball over 40 times in the past two games. So that is going to be big. Um, just within like the last few minutes here recording this, Everson Griffin, who is their edge rusher, um, People are expressing support and concern for the Vikings defensive end, Everson Griffin, after he shared a number of posts on his Instagram story. The Vikings released an official statement saying Vikings representatives and the team's mental health professionals have been on site at Everson Griffin's home since early this morning and are cooperating with law enforcement. Our only concern at this time is the safety and well-being of Everson and his family. We'll have further comment to appropriate at this at the appropriate time. Um, Wow. Not sure what to do with that. Yeah, hopefully that he's okay. Hopefully that everything's well with him. It doesn't sound like that is a person who's going to be playing on Sunday. That means the Vikings are down yet another defensive lineman. Um, the 49ers right now are three-point favorites. That number actually went up to three and a half overnight or just late last night, which kind of tells you there's money starting to trickle in on the 49ers. People who do this for a living are betting on the 49ers. That is a good sign for them. They're at home, even though not sure if they have at home. Yeah, if you ignore beating up on Minnie McVeigh, uh, I don't know if you can say that the 49ers do have a home field advantage. The matchup, though, is what matters. And if you remember back to the divisional playoff game a couple of years ago, and yes, these two teams are different, but the matchup is still pretty much the same. Vikings right. have extraordinary wide receivers. Nobody will take that away from them. Do they have the best wide receiver duo in the league? Damn, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, um, obviously the Cowboys. Um, the Seahawks on paper with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf should be good. Yeah, they just don't put it back to get him the ball. <laughs> um, I, I, I would be, say they're top. They got to be for sure. I mean, if you if you play fantasy, you know that Adam Thielen, both Justin Jefferson, produce week in and week out. Um, Justin Jefferson had a monster game last week. I think he had 100 yards receiving in the first quarter, I want to say. Um, NFC so, Offensive Player of the Week, I believe. Yeah, so they keep bringing it. But just back to your Dalvin Tomlinson point, um, I think the I think the Vikings came into the week uh, 27th in rushing defensive uh, DVOA. So they weren't good against the run to begin with. And now they're down. Uh, they're three technique. Dalvin Tomlinson, he's not going to be playing – I think I read that he was unvaccinated, so I so he's not going to yeah. be on for this week. Um, yeah, he won't be coming back. And then now the Everson Griffin news, which I didn't see, so looks like they could be down a couple starters, which again Kyle Shanahan is going to take advantage of. I saw the Arif Hassan tweet from last night <laughs> that was doing the rounds in the Niners Nation thread. That yeah, not the time to be missing a couple of defensive starters when you're playing a Kyle Shanahan team. So I'd imagine the game plan looks similar to what we've seen for the 49ers for the past few weeks. 
And just see if they can keep Kirk Cousins in this potent offense off the field, which is not something I thought I'd say about a Kirk Cousins team. But, man, he has been fantastic this season. Yeah, that is wild. Let's let's stick to the 49ers offense versus the Vikings defense here. So you mentioned them being them struggling just against the run. So since week five, according to um, RBSDM, which is a, just a really fun website to play around with numbers, the Vikings are 30th in defensive rushing EPA and they are 24th in rushing success rate. So I think the, the easiest way to define EPA versus success rate, success rate is really like a down-to-down basis, what happens where EPA can be, like if you have a long run, like if you have an 80-yard run, that's going to make your EPA look much better, even if you have like four or five runs that go for one or two yards. So what that tells you is the Vikings aren't stopping either. <laughs> they are struggling to stop the long runs, and they are also struggling on a down-to-down basis. What the theme has been is the Rams and the Jaguars both did this. They're going to come out in like a 6-2, 5-2 look where they cover up all of your offensive linemen and make your running backs make a play. I don't know that the Vikings have the horses. I wouldn't say that they had the horses before, you know, Tomlinson and Griffin. And, yeah, now that they're down, I don't know that they have the athleticism at the second level either to stay with the 49ers. So it's a really good matchup. And if you are tired of seeing the 49ers run the ball, then do not watch this game because that is going to happen again and again. I wonder if Elijah Mitchell will play. Uh, Kyle Shannon said he was close or he wasn't close by the time they got to Sunday. And he didn't even you know, want to say that he would play this coming week. Uh, he said that it was just going to be day to day. So we'll find out if Mitchell practices. But I think there is a pretty clear drop off just as far as getting to and through the hole. Jeff Wilson and Trey Sermon looked a little. Um, I guess they just didn't look. What's the best way to put this? They didn't look like they knew what to do, I guess, is the easiest way to put it. Um, they, they weren't decisive, I guess, is the simplest that, that's way. A, that's a good, and, good way to put it. I thought, the, I thought the Jaguars did a pretty good job as well. They did. They came into the game as, you know, one of the middle-of-the-pack rushing defenses, and um, they, they executed on certain plays. But, yeah, if you take out those Debo Samuel runs, their rushing average looks a lot worse. So I think I feel like a lot of people are ignoring that that the two starting running backs, Jeff Wilson and Trey Sermon, actually didn't have that great of a performance on Sunday. But it didn't necessarily matter. Yeah, and that's another thing. Like, the odds that you recover your own fumble again, very slim. And that's been a problem for Wilson throughout his career. Like, I think he's a really good running back. I think he's really good just vision-wise. But the fumbles are an issue, and they have always been an issue. Um, I do think that you can take advantage of Trey Sermon out of the backfield. I would love to see him use more as a receiver, especially if you're going to, you know, you're going to be relying on Debo Samuel because you're going to have to have Brent Ayuk, you're going to have to have George Kittle, you're going to have to have all these weapons to rely on. So just having another added weapon will go a long way. Uh, Through the air is another advantage that I feel like the 49ers have. Um, I don't think Mike Zimmer trusts his cornerbacks. They run a lot of cover two. And against the Packers, it seemed like they gave up big play after big play after big play. So Early on, they gave up a third and 12 where they just got a wide receiver on the safety. So double-digit gains here. Let me read these off from Green Bay, the Green Bay game. So gain of 37, 13, 39, 17, 12, 15, 13, 12, 17, 13, 26, 18, and 75 for the touchdown toward the end of the game. So uh, the Vikings secondary, they have holes. And Patrick Peterson was back for the first time. Um, I believe in a couple of games and, and he is good. Like he does make a difference for their secondary, but still they, you will have an opportunity. I think it's just going to come down to 
the offensive line giving Jimmy time, Jimmy having to hang in there, and Jimmy giving his guys a chance because um, the, I just don't think the Vikings secondary is very good. And number 23, Xavier Woods, is going to be under the microscope. Like that's Stephen Ruiz meme. He's going to be under, under the microscope in this game. I imagine Kyle Shannon will try to get as many one-on-ones with, whether it's Ayuk, Samuel, Kittle, um, against him as they can. I've mentioned the offensive line. They've done a really good job this season at protecting Jimmy. So Jimmy's only been pressured on 19% of his dropbacks, which is 30th in the NFL. He's also completing 66% of his passes. So Jimmy's been playing well against the Blitz, and they've been holding up well against the Blitz. They are going to have to do that against the Vikings because Zimmer is well known for being aggressive. He's going to come after you. That is another way to protect your secondary. You can either stay back or you can bring pressure. And he does he does a good job of mixing both of those up. Um, what, what do you think the biggest advantage for the 49ers are on offense? Well, we harped on it already. I think it's up front. I think it's going to be running the ball. I think that's where the 49ers are going to have success. Um, and then explosive plays through the air. So just to you know continue what you said, Vikings have given up 35 explosive plays this season. That's nine – or explosive passing plays, excuse me. That's, on, that's at a rate of 9%, which ranks 22nd. So they're in the bottom 10 of explosive pass plays given up this season, um, which you wouldn't think of considering they have a defensive head coach, Mike Zimmer, and just what you think of the Vikings historically. But they just haven't been that this season. And that's, I think, where the 49ers have taken advantage the last few weeks. Um, you may not think it because Jimmy Garoppolo may not be throwing the ball necessarily down the field, but They've been getting their ball. They've been getting the ball into Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk or George Kittle's hands, and those guys have been making some magic happen. I think that's going to have to happen again this week, um, and I think this is a defense that's capable of giving those plays up. So I think if you're able to again run the ball, it's going to open up things for you, and you can capitalize over the top against this pass defense that you outlined earlier. So I think that that's where the advantages are. I'm glad you mentioned that just because of when I was reading off those double digit games from that Green Bay had against the Vikings, um, Green Bay game was not an outlier. The Vikings since week five and what I've been doing is filtering out everything that happened prior to week five, because that is just a figment of your imagination. These teams are no longer what they were in September. So from week five on, the Vikings have allowed the eighth most explosive passing plays in the NFL. So, again, take advantage you have Brandon Ayuk, you have Debo Sam, you have guys that can run and guys that can create after the catch. So when you think of explosive plays, and the Green Bay game is a good example of this, it doesn't have to be like bombs away down the sideline. And even though they did do that, they were able to get double-digit gains off of screens, off of slants, off of simple things that the 49ers do. So um, they will have plenty of opportunities, and they will need them because as we go to the other side of the ball, the Vikings are – Good. And I don't think there's any way around that. I don't think we have to sugarcoat that. Everything that you thought of Kirk Cousins coming into this season was wrong. Um, He's making plays again like he has luck on his side. But most good quarterbacks do like that happens time and time again. I remember just it seems like the first season Patrick Mahomes started. He had plenty of fortune in his favor as well. But the Vikings, it seems like they've been scoring at will whenever they want to against whoever they're playing against. So Kirk Cousins, 21 touchdowns, two interceptions. Dalvin Cook, one of the best running backs in the NFL, to the duo that we talked about, Thielen and Jefferson. Uh, They are really fun to watch. Uh, They can win at every level, and they are going – Kirk Cousins is going to give them a chance. He might, you know, close his eyes, throw a fadeaway, throw it up. But I would do that too if I had receivers that played as well as those guys. One advantage that I would say that the 49ers do have to take advantage of is 
there are going to be like two or three throws, maybe three, four, five, where Cousins blindfolds, throws it up, and gives you a chance. You have to take advantage of that. The Packers had three opportunities, and whether it was by penalty or whether it was by them dropping the ball, they did not get the turnover. What happens? Vikings march down and score on each of those three plays. So that can't happen. Take advantage. Catch the ball, whether it's Josh Norman allowing a catch and then punching it out afterwards, whether it's Mosley, Jimmy Ward actually catching the ball when he does target them. Um, they're going to have to take advantage of that. And we, we talked a little bit about this beforehand where you mentioned Cousins' turnover-worthy plays are in line with Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know if you have that number or not, but take the floor. I was going to say, I'm sure Kyle Shanahan is sitting and watching Kirk Cousins and is just like, see, I told you guys. I told you guys that if we just brought this guy here, he would have been just as consistent, if not better, than Jimmy Garoppolo. And I, I went through and I compared some of their stats. You know, uh, Kirk Cousins this season has a better adjusted completion percentage, uh, which takes into account drops. Um, his yards per attempt is the only thing that Jimmy Garoppolo has a higher percentage or higher number. Uh, Cousins, better touchdown to interception ratio, like you outlined, 21-2. Passer rating Cousins. Uh, DR, which is defense adjusted yards above replacement. That's Cousins by a wide margin. DVOA, Cousins by a wide margin. So he's just been the better quarterback this season. And um, he's been getting the ball out to his complement of weapons. And they've just been uh, explosive on offense. Uh, we talked about how Minnesota gives up a ton of explosive plays on defense. Um, and, you know, on the flip side, offensively, they've got 41 explosive plays on the season uh, at a rate of 11%, uh, which is fifth in the NFL. So they can score on you in a blink. And I think that happened in the divisional game, if I remember right. I think that a huge play down to Stephon Diggs, right, over uh, Akella Witherspoon, if I remember. And so they've basically just swapped out, you know, Justin Jefferson for Stephon Diggs. Looks like a better player at the moment. And their offense has just been rolling. Um, and the turnover-worthy plays that you mentioned. So Kirk Cousins only has two picks on the season, but PFF has this stat that's, you know, turnover-worthy plays, which are plays that should end up in turnovers. Kirk Cousins has 11 on the season. I think Jimmy Garoppolo has 12. So they're, you know, right on par with each other, meaning Kirk Cousins has had some turnover luck, which also means that he's going to give you some opportunities to create turnovers, and the 49ers have to absolutely take advantage. Um, but there's there's not many weaknesses on this offense. You look at their adjusted sack rate. I think it's around three and a half percent, which is second in the NFL. They've only given up 14 sacks on the season, so it's not like they're weak up front necessarily either. So this this offense is going to put up points, put up points in a hurry, um, and the 49ers' uh, offense is going to have to keep up. Yeah. So you mentioned just the turnover luck, and it goes just beyond him and the interception luck. So it's fumbles as well. Kirk Cousins has fumbled six times this season, and he's only lost one of them. So, again, he will give you an opportunity. You just have to take advantage. So we mentioned how important this game is. Five and five, both teams, the playoff seedings are on the line. Minnesota is in right now. Fort Niners are knocking out the door with the AC. Of course, if they win, they will be in. The Saints are falling off a cliff. Trevor Simeon, who knew? He's not the guy. There, We can probably count them out. Um, the Eagles are coming up at the same time. So who knows what is going to happen? The Eagles have a friendly schedule as well. But if you win this game, you are probably good to go. And by that, I mean, you can afford to have another loss and even two, three losses, perhaps. Another stinker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you can afford to crap the bet, I guess is the best way to put it, and still have a little leeway to get in. Uh, if you lose, 
you're probably going to have to go like five and one or four and two. And I've seen both of their schedules, the Vikings and the 49ers, that is. And they're still, you know, manageable. You can still get in with them. I just think the winning this game, you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about having your back against the wall every game. Um, Before the season, I actually picked the Vikings to win this game just because I didn't like the matchup on the perimeter. Uh, that hasn't changed by any stretch of the imagination. And I do think, you know, there's going to be a lot of why didn't you invest in a cornerback type of tweets as we play this game. But still, like the way that both teams are playing, I think that the mistakes the Vikings are have been, you know, lucky. And so far, the 49ers are trending in the correct direction where, you know, they are starting to get the ball bounced their way. They are starting to recover, recover their own fumbles and even force turnovers. So um, let's talk about our prediction. What do we think is going to happen? So, as I mentioned, three, three and a half point favorites. I believe the total on the game is either 45 or 49. So uh, Vegas is predicting like a 26, 23-ish type of score. Uh, what do you think happens? So I, when I sat down and thought about this, I thought, okay, how similar would it be to that 2019 divisional playoff game? Uh, I still think the teams are more similar than, or they're constructed more similarly than you'd think. I think the one big difference is the 49ers pass rush. If you remember in that game, they got after Kirk Cousins, right? Divorce Buckner, D Ford, uh, Nick Bosa, obviously, uh, as a rookie. And I just don't think their pass rush has been up to that mark um, this season outside of Nick Bosa. I know Arden Key has, you know, come on uh, as a rusher from the inside these past few weeks and has created some timely pressures. But outside of that, there's not, there's just not much happening. So I think Kirk Cousins and that Vikings offense can have quite a bit of success. I think, you know, they're going to put up a ton of points. Um, but that being said, I do think the 49ers offense can keep up. Um, I think they've played well these past few weeks. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, despite everything we've said, has just been – has game managed really well this last month, I'd say. Um, you know, limiting the turnovers, uh, you know, making key plays on third downs, being efficient in the red zone, um, just doing exactly what the offense asks of him and not trying to do too much, not creating mistakes. Um, and as a team, like we've talked about – They've limited turnovers. They've limited the penalties. The ball is starting to bounce their way. It just feels like the momentum is building towards a close 49ers win on um, Sunday. I think they win like 27-23. I think the loss of Dalvin Tomlinson is just too big for the Vikings defensive line. I think the 49ers offense, rushing offense, is going to have enough success. Um, And they're going to do the same thing where they control clock, limit the number of possessions in the game. And just find a way to win. And I think I actually think they end up covering close, though. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't think that they cover. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think that the 49ers do win. I just think that the defense is going to – and not even regress. They're just going to play a team that matches up well against them. So you mentioned the pressure from the 49ers defensive line. I think Samson Epicom has done a good job of coming on as of late. But it's more so against the run and not as as far as a pass rusher. But again, this is his full time, first time ever playing, you know, edge rusher in the NFL as a full time player. So this was always going to be a work in progress for him. Arden Key's done a good job of coming along, as you mentioned. Um, He had a sack last week where he rushed from the inside. They're going to need to continue that interior pressure. Uh, That has not been the case for Eric Armstead during the past two games where he did get off to a really good start against the Cardinals. But it's going to come down to being able to make plays on the perimeter. I don't trust the secondary. I just have no reason to trust them based Absolutely. on the matchup. So Adam Thielen, 
really, really good. Um, Justin Jefferson, better than really, really good. And when you have those two one-on-one matchups, it's going to be tough to – and they move around the formation too. So um, it's just going to tough, be tough to key on those guys. Again, Fred Warner, like he's going to have an opportunity probably to undercut a pass from Kirk Cousins and get his hand on it. Uh, I think the final score is going to be 28-27. I think the 49ers win. I think it's going to be one of the more fun games that we watch all season. I feel like that was the case all, you know, all along. Uh, both just both these teams have been high variance all season. We've seen them play at a very, very high level. We've also seen both teams play at a level where you're like, who are these guys? Like, what are they doing? How about this? Um, let's do a bold prediction before we get out of here. Um, again, in the Rams game, like I came up with Jimmy Ward having an interception and sure enough, he had two, but when, when you do bold predictions, it's okay to make them, you know, out of left field, where it seems like they're a long shot, but, but that's what a bold prediction is for. I just bought you enough time to think of one. Did you come up with anything? I did. I, I was scrambling there, as you, as you mentioned. it. I've got two, actually. So defensively, I think Kirk Cousins is going to match his interception total on the season. I think he's going to throw two picks. Love that. So I, th- I think he's going to throw one, like you mentioned, to a linebacker. I think one of the corners is going to get a pick. I, I just think it's one of those games where – Kirk Cousins is going to realize he's going to have to make some hero ball plays. And that's when I feel like, you know, he ends up with these turnover-worthy plays. And I think the 49ers are going to capitalize. I feel like the turnover luck has started to shift in their favor. And I think they're going to come up with a couple of interceptions. Offensively, I think this is going to be Brandon Ayuk's best game. I think he's going to have two touchdowns in this game. I love that. So 49ers cornerbacks, Norman and Mosley, have one interception on the season. And that one came against Justin Fields when the game like was was out of hand from Norman. Uh, they've dropped three. So they have more interception drops than they have interceptions. So that is a v- big, bold prediction. I, he has So he's never had a multi-touchdown game. Um, I, I mean, here's mine. So George Kittle, he's had three touchdowns in a row. He will continue that. And he's going to have his fourth touchdown in a row. Um, he, do you know, here's a little trivia question for you, the last 49ers receiver to have three a, a three-touchdown game in a row? I guess pass catchers, what we'll say. We're going back to like Anquan Bolden or something like that? Oh, nope. So under the Shanahan tenure, Dante Pettis, oh. 2018, had a three-game stretch where he scored a touchdown. I think yeah. Kittle Pettis. bumps Pettis off. Yep, <laughs> bumps Pettis off the list. He gets four in a row, which, you know, that is rare just because we've talked about basically since Kittle's been on the team – he doesn't score touchdowns. And since he's came back from his injury, uh, that's all he's done is score a touchdown. So it'll be that. And then on the other side of the ball, I mean, I, I would just piggyback off your interception. I like that just because the regression, Kirk has to regress to the mean. 21-2, and two, there have, there's always luck involved. Whether you're Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, you are going to have some breaks go your way. The 49ers, with the way that they're playing, as of late, I think the breaks will continue to go in the defense's way. So agreed there with the interceptions. Love the idea of them getting two. Um, man, I, there's going. it's just going to be an entertaining game, no matter how you slice it. I think it's going to be one that goes down to the wire. So the game's on the, at the same time as the Packers and the Rams game. I think people will be more tuned into this game than that game by the time we get to the fourth quarter. Um, that should do it for us. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening. Please rate subscribe, review, leave us five stars, wherever it is you get your podcast. Enjoy your holiday. Akash, where can we follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at A-K-A-S-H-A-N. 
AV. Uh, once again, yeah, I appreciate everyone for listening. Happy holidays. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the time with your family and friends. Um, hopefully you don't have to watch the Bears-Lions game. Spend that time with the family instead and uh, enjoy the Vikings-49ers game. I, th- I think it's probably going to be one of their better, more entertaining games this season just because of the way the teams match up. They're fairly even. Lots on the line at Levi's. Should be a fun one. We'll be back here to recap. Uh, stay locked in uh, with the Niners Nation Podcast Network and go Niners. Thank you.